Hello everyone and thank you for tuning in to the Morning Huddle. On today's show we're going to talk about the origins of leadership identity and how those who guided you in your former years have helped you become the leader you are today. My name is Devin Roy and I've been leading and managing teams for more than 30 years. I have expertise in coaching, interrogation, and strategy development. Most companies use a morning huddle to connect with their teams, to disseminate information, and to create alignment. I will share with you proven real-world strategies and techniques that will help you be more successful. So open your minds, listen closely. The Morning Huddle starts now. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today's topic is leadership identity. Now, what would you say if I told you that your parents, guardians, teachers, coaches, or whomever played a pivotal role in your development, for better or for worse, helped shape you into the leader you are today? Some of you may bristle at this idea why others may embrace this notion. In our formative years, our role models taught us how to react to crisis, how to express anger, and how to celebrate our victories. Whether we grew up in dysfunction or in very nurturing environments, those who cared for our well-being taught us the power of positive reinforcement and the demoralizing effects of being reprimanded. As we encountered teachers, coaches, and other authority figures, we are often introduced to more authoritarian leadership models. You see, in these bureaucratic cultures, control is believed to be essential to achieving certain outcomes. For example, an apoplectic coach yelling and screaming on the sideline is a completely acceptable way for an adult to conduct him or herself in our society as the end justifies the means. Those who thrive in these environments are thought to be mentally stronger than those who rebuff it. This is undoubtedly a tenet to which we all tacitly subscribe as there are no public outcries to change it. Think about it. These very influential individuals, guardians and administrators alike, were your first exposures and sometimes lasting impressions to what leadership should look like and feel like. Let's take a deeper dive into these approaches. For the purpose of our conversation today, we're going to label them as paternalism and command and control. Let's start first with paternalism. Perhaps you had a very involved parent or guardian who provided for your every need. She told you you were great at everything and that you had the capacity to be anything you wanted to be. Maybe your parent or guardian yelled or used force to get his point across. Perhaps he used words that negatively affected your self-esteem. At any rate, a parent's love for a child is undeniable. However, each approach is counterproductive in preparing the child for the travails of adulthood. No matter the circumstance, parenting is a learned behavior by people who are well-intentioned. Since, however, parenting methods are informed by one's own experiences, Adopting a new model can be an indictment of oneself. Paternalism when leading teams has a very limiting effect on the ability of one to self-actualize. In this model, the leader tends to have very emotional relationships with the team, uh, which can be described sometimes as love-hate. Individuals who are led by this kind of leader can often feel as if they're on an emotional roller coaster. One day the leader is upbeat, and the next the leader is yelling about something trivial. Some paternalistic leaders, however, can be great to work for. They are pleasant, provide for your every need, and only have encouraging things to say. This type of leader, however, accepts the status quo and does not challenge you to be the best version of yourself. 
Let's now take a look at command and control. You ever heard someone say, it's my way or the highway? That's quite the clever phrase, but it's more an indication of a power-hungry person who thrives in settings in which he or she feels they must have exacting control. This type of leader is often brilliant. They set the strategy, they develop the tactics, and they simply expect you to execute. In his or her mind, the process of ideation slows down the ability to act. This leader does not value relationships and often uses the first person pronouns, I and me. Maybe you thrive in this environment. Perhaps you don't want a relationship with your boss. And better yet, they tell you what to do and how to do it. No thinking required on your part. They are very demanding and a little curt, but you rationalize their behavior with what you perceive to be the advantages of working for this leadership type. Command and control can be effective in bureaucratic environments like the military, where achieving short-term goals are essential. In matters of life and death, compliance and execution are more important than getting buy-in. However, in dynamic environments, this approach only serves to drive away those who seek to challenge the thinking of the leader and or provide an alternative solution. Now let's compare and contrast these two approaches by looking at their pros and their cons. Starting again with paternalism, uh, the pros can be, for example, it's relational in nature, productive relationships can produce successful outcomes, can have a positive effect on morale, which is great, premised on care and compassion, and can create sustainable results. So what are the cons of paternalism? Well, it limits personal growth. Results are static, tacitly endorses the status quo, Results can vary based on the dynamic of the relationship and can only lead certain personality types. So what are some pros of command and control? Well, they're great for meeting short-term goals. This kind of leader provides clear direction and expectations and they create a very consistent environment. What are the cons? Results are not sustainable. They can have a negative impact on morale. This kind of leader creates dependence they repel independent thinkers, rely on compliance-based cultures, and can only lead certain types of personalities as well. If you were to take the best parts of paternalism and command and control, you just might find your leadership voice. You must first admit that you represent in part or in total one of these two models. You must be willing to suspend everything you know and have learned about leadership. You must resist impulsivity and first seek to understand. You must not judge behavior until you understand it and always see the good in others. And you must value the power of relationships and inspire your team to run through walls for you. You must be an empathetic leader who shows productive and appropriate emotions. You must be clear in your expectations and hold everyone equally accountable. You must reprogram your mind and not leverage the thinking you previously used when leading others. I want to end on a personal note. You know, I can recall a moment outside of my professional environment in which I became enraged. I felt myself channeling my father and what I said and in my disposition. We are all predisposed to anger and how we respond is a learned behavior. How many of you have ever lost control in a business setting? Perhaps you said something that you later regretted or maybe you were even reprimanded for it. This may not be your fault, but it is your problem. When you lose your temper, you're leading with the most primitive part of your brain, the amygdala. The amygdala is our emotion center 
and controls our fight or flight responses. Now, this works well in life or death situations, but it can be catastrophic when we're leaving others. Fittingly, the amygdala is enclosed by the larger, more sophisticated parts of our brain that control logic, reasoning, and critical thinking. Their part-time job is to keep the amygdala in check, and with the right training and focus, this can occur. Consider, if you will, a first responder reacting to a crisis. You know, we marvel at their ability to address the concern with urgency and focus. They're seemingly unflappable in the face of catastrophe. This is due to training and preparation. You can mitigate emotional reactions by training your rational brain to exercise control over the amygdala. Reason your way to a coherent response by asking yourself questions that force you to think through your actions. For example, instead of reacting, ask yourself, why did that just happen? What could be the reason for that response? What could have caused her to say that? Then go about trying to sincerely get the answer to the question you just asked yourself. If someone makes a mistake or does not execute a task, ask yourself a rational question and then get the answer. If someone responds to you with emotion, ask yourself why and then show them care and compassion. Now I've been teaching these lessons to my teams for many years. You must outgrow the examples of your past and find a leadership identity that allows you to become an elastic leader and coach of a diverse group of people. You know, being an elastic leader allows you to shed the miles of the past and forces you to be reflective in how you approach every leadership situation. Does your leadership identity get the most out of your team or does it hold them back? Do you truly practice the process of ideation? Or do you just give it lip service? If you truly want to get the best out of yourself and your team, you must have a leadership identity that facilitates this process. That's it for today's show on leadership identity. I hope you were reflective as you listened to today's podcast, and I hope you were enriched by what you've heard in the morning call.